Hello. 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 Thanks for joining us. Good evening. Hello and welcome. Another episode of Mouth of the Clyde. I think we're on episode eight, are we? This is number eight. Number eight. And I'm cosy. I'm ready to go. I've just put on my wax melts. I bought a brand new wax burner today from the local shop. What's it called? Lights and Gifts? Lights and Gifts. Lights and Gifts. But it's just right by our house on Jamaica Street. And the staff in there are so nice. They're always so lovely. But I bought a new wax burner in there today. It's got lovely stars on it. And I have treated myself and put on some nice melts from um, Bewitched Candles and Melts, which is a nice local business. So I've got myself all in a little Greenock Inverclay supporting mood ready to podcast today. What melts have you got on? Um, well, they've got interesting ones. Are the one that I've got on today. It's called Witch's Brew. So I don't know what it's Ooh. supposed to smell like, but it smells like nice and fruity and cool. And I posted actually a picture on Mouse of the Clyde Instagram. So if you follow us there, you'll see that I've got a melt in the shape of a Ouija board. I've got ones in the shape of wee headstones and stuff like that. They're so cute. That's pretty um, awesome. But since we're like starting off on this note, today is a very exciting day for Mouse of the Clyde and for listeners mainly because today you get to spend our money because we're giving away £30 to spend on pizza. Um, our pocket to your yeah, belly. You, yep, exactly. Are you excited about that, Brownie? Um, and I'm less excited because I can't eat pizza. Yeah, the whole lactose intolerant problem. Yeah. So I want you to What's eat it for me. What's that whistling noise? I don't know. Can you hear it too? Yeah, I hear whistling. Is it coming from your nose or something? No, my nose... I don't think it's me. I don't... All my teeth are all good at the minute. There are no whistly toes. Now that you've had your extractions? I had. I had two extractions yesterday. Yep. Big day at the dentist. But I'm gutting through that pain so I can be with you. Fighting through the pain. We appreciate it. We love having you here. But I think we should announce the winner straight away so we can get it posted on our Instagram um, for the person that's won and they can get their dinner ordered. What do you think? Let's go for it. Let's let them eat. Um, So before we started today, we went through, and because our podcast is on several platforms, we couldn't use one sort of service to collate it. So we've gone through um, and picked a subscriber from the list that we collated through um, a few different platforms that you can get us on. We're available on Spotify, or RSS, or Google, or Apple Podcasts. And the lucky winner today is... Can you do a drum roll? It is... Right, stop it. Enough drum roll. Right, drum for you. The winner, winner is Mrs. McClellan, and her name is Cara Louise. Congratulations! Yay! Yay. Pizza, pizza for you! Enjoy your pizza. Thank you for subscribing and supporting the podcast and our social media and everything. We really appreciate it. We take notice of everybody that um, gets in touch with us and, and contributes, and we appreciate all of you. We obviously can't buy pizza for everybody because we're not rich, but if we are ever rich, we'll buy pizza for you all. Um, but we are going to have more competitions and more stuff going on all the time, so please do stick with us. There's going to be stuff going on all the time, and we're actually in the process of, of planning it. Very exciting giveaway coming soon. But congratulations, Mrs. McClellan. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Enjoy your pizza party Friday night. Pizza party Friday night. Pizza party Friday night. I find myself dancing when I say that. Um, 
I'm just going to post this exciting news on Instagram so that Mrs McClellan can claim her winning pizza. But to get it started off since we're on a food note, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Since it's all the talk of like back to school and lockdown being finished and all this business, can you think back to your school days and tell me what was your like favourite things to have in your lunchbox and the most exciting things you could have? Ooh, my packed lunch. See, people laugh at me about this now because I used to get Edam on a stick. It was like a block of Edam on a lollipop stick and I would bring that. I would always have a cheese sandwich with tomato and a wee bit of salt and pepper and I would always have crisps. But straight sandwich, Edam on a stick. I would always have used to be able to get pepperoni, pepperami on a roll also, and it was like bread built round it. What about yourself? What else would you have in it? Like, tell me, like, drinks and stuff? Drinks? I would always get one of those plastic... Remember the wee, like, 30 pence plastic bottles of Iron Brew? I love those. That's what I would always get also. We did something really stupid, like, if I remember from St Mary's. Is we had a fence that had a bit missing in it, right? So what would you yeah. do? You'd go over with a plastic bottle and you'd hit it off it and it would shoot out. So you'd be like squirting the juice into your mouth. You'd be putting your finger over the hole, shaking oh, it and no, letting I, it go. It, I remember the boys used to do that. I didn't like that. Doesn't the fizz all go out of it? Like you don't get any like fizzy juiciness if you do that? You look cool as fuck. No, you don't. You look an idiot like fucking shotgun in a wee bottle of iron brew. And think about it. Like Think of my aim. Like I'm, I just go in covered. And like trying to get Iron Brewer with a green shirt, St Mary's green shirt, which was the only school that I can think of. Like everyone else got to get a white shirt, and we had to. No, my find primary it from school. Someone. My primary school, you, you could either wear a white or a, a green. Yeah. 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 Because that. What about now? Like, if you were um, if you were, say, you'd a kid now, and you had to make the lunchbox, like, would you be like a cool dad and get them like? nice sugary treats or would you be on like you're having a rice cake and a, a bottled water Ethan? Oh I, I've seen this I've seen the notice that come home like you can't give away in a couple of like, pops and a, a chocolate anymore. Does like, it still dictate they're... what you can send? Yeah do you not know this? I'm sure we've talked about it like you're not allowed soft drinks let, let me actually have a wee look right look what is the allowed oh in a packed gosh. lunch in Scotland? I didn't know there was, like, requirements and stuff and things they weren't allowed in. Like, I thought, like, obviously, if somebody in the school's got, like, a nut allergy or something, they kind of bring nuts in, but I didn't think they could say, like, oh, you're not having iron brew here or something. No, you're not with a fizzy drink. I remember when I was little, um, the people in my class would get, like, free milk, like, wee cartons of milk brought into the class and stuff, but I didn't get one for whatever reason. I wasn't on, like, the list that you, that you get the free milk. Um, and so my dad would buy me like bottles of iron brew and stuff to, <laughs> to drink when they were all having their milk. And I, I recall getting in trouble for that because they were all having like, a wee healthy option and I had my sugary iron brew. That's why I'm diabetic what? now. Yeah. So it says packed lunches should include a starchy food such a type of bread, white, a bagel. Whole, yeah, pasta, couscous, noodles, potatoes, all the a day food, milk, cheese, yogurt from our and custard. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for one that you're not allowed to take. You know what I mean? Like something that Jamie Oliver would cry over. That's what I'm looking maybe, for right now. Maybe some of our listeners can help us on that. That if you're an educator or something, or you've got a, a kid in school, if your kids are not allowed certain things, then get in touch. We're interested to know. Because this one 
that I've just found is called Carrot Sticks, Not Crisps. See, another question I had for you, Mm. kind of on the topic of food. Like, over lockdown, we've all developed, like, new sort of habits and routines and things that we, like, hobbies and whatever. Is there anything that you do in lockdown now that you think is going to change your life forever? Like, can you see yourself always being, like, in Zoom meetings and stuff? Like, have you, like, taken up knitting and think you can continue that? Like, is there anything on lockdown that will influence your life forever? See, the thing is, like, my good friends open lived all over the world anyway so like I was always using like Facebook chat and stuff like that to speak to them so that wasn't really Zoom was just a new thing like we used Facebook chat and like he lived in America so I was always that was something that I was kind of used to in the first place yeah but the but uh, I find it weird doing it to my mum and I can't go up that but it's an excuse she can't even hit you over camera, so that's how was always But what? So you've done because I've seen you pick up a couple of things because I did yeah. a little bit of Lego. Uh, you bought a you bought a little guitar that I can't remember the name of. A ukulele. Hmm. I've been doing ukulele like everybody. I've taken to like I, I always just like I always bake and cook and stuff like that. But I definitely done that a lot due to boredom. Today, actually, I've made a chocolate cake, which my whole house now smells like chocolate cake, and it smells delightful. I'll be having that this evening. Um, but I had done some baking. I got a ukulele. I think I was doing uh, what do you call it for a bit? Like you know with a wee hook in the the wool. Oh, I crochet. I was doing some crocheting. What else have I done over lockdown? I was just remembering when you said that what it was like to get baking stuff at the beginning of lockdown. Like I was a nightmare. People would be like, "Oh, they're baking sugar, they're baking flour in somewhere, and they're baking powder." The thing that was hard to get was self-raising flour because people were buying it off of their banana bread. I didn't make a single (laughs) banana bread during the lockdown period last year, but I did make one (laughs) probably about a month ago, but only for the reason that I had like a bunch of bananas going bad and I was like I'm not wasting them we're, we're making a cake with us so I did do a banana bread pretty recently I'm trying to think that if I actually picked up a hobby or anything over, over lockdown I think what I've seen a lot is people getting dogs over lockdown like I think we've talked on this before but like I would like to know how many households in the UK have welcomed the dogs to their family due to this whole thing because they think oh we're home and whatever but you're not always going to be home oh I've got a story on that I was actually looking into that eh? because, as you know, we've got Max and News Hound, and sometimes yeah. we used to we used to go out and leave him in, but now we went full on Scooby Doo Mystery Inc. and he's constantly with us. Like if you see he's outside, we've always got this dog with us. So I was thinking that I was thinking that he's going to find it really hard if we all start because we all work work from home or study from home here, so. This clocked my today that dogs meant they're going. They're saying that there's going to be a dog mental health crisis after everyone goes back. But prepare to return to normal life in the separation anxiety, the so-called puppy pandemic. Oh, will happen. And they say it's a ticking time because we've seen it ourselves. Look, when we go out, Max has scraped all the door, or he takes a poop in the room and sort of like a vengeance. Yeah, he's poop. he's very nervous, Max. Mm. Your dog is very. He just likes being with his family. A dog behaviour specialist said that uh, owners should expect accidents like carpets being ripped or carpets being peed on and cushions being attacked 
anxious dogs don't know how to when they should start preparing their pets now. I think it's one of the biggest things facing behavior behaviorists and other trainers that a huge uh, potential for problems when lockdown ends and people go back to work. Because I I think of it with Max. Well, Max Mm. usually comes with us anyway. Like, Max has been in shops. He's been to restaurants. Like, Max has been everywhere. Do you remember when he used to fit in the bag? Yeah, when he was a tiny puppy, we used to put him in Will's man bag and take him to Aldi and stuff. And he would just stick his wee head out. Yeah. But anyway, let's go on to the news because we do have a full schedule today. There's a lot of stuff. Um, we'll start on local news, local city, Oak Inverclyde, anywhere in the Clyde, Julie. And as usual, if you've got any contributions you want to send us, please do. We like to support local business as well. Um, and on that note, we want to thank our friends and sponsors at the Inverclyde Boiler Company who sponsor this podcast and all our Mouth of the Clyde endeavours. Um, they are very nice. They keep us in their supply of newspapers, which are very expensive, and we appreciate them a lot. Um, if you go onto our Instagram at Mouth of the Clyde, you can follow us there, and we've got a link tree that will lead to their website. It's handy just to keep the number on your phone because you never know when your boiler's going to give up. And they do a lot of stuff as well. Not just if like a disaster thing happens, they can help you with a lot of jobs. And they put up um, a whole bunch of nice photos today of like before and afters that they've done and services they offer. But Shane over there is so nice; he'll help you out. So add the number to your phone, follow them on socials. They're very nice, and it's good to support local business. So we thank them for supporting us. Um, and on that note, we'll get on to our local news. Um, oh, I actually do have a dog story, like continuing what you were saying there. All right. I've seen um, on Facebook today, um, somebody nicely shared in one of the Everything Inverclyde sort of pages, a girl called Nikita Glass, um, told a story of how she was out her front garden, I think last night with her dog, letting the dog do its business and stuff before going to bed. Um, and she noticed somebody, a man across the street watching. And the man crossed the street and I think made some chit chat with her and stuff like that and whatever. Um, she kind of got a weird feeling by it. She went back in the house, and when she got in the house, she noticed the man was still sort of looking at the house, looking in the garden, all stuff like that. And then she noticed that he'd added a black cable tie around a lamppost in front of her house, almost marking the house, maybe for somebody to come back later on. Um, so I was a bit concerned about that. And I mean, it's just it was a Facebook post, and I'm not saying the key is lying or anything, but it's you know, it, I don't know what the reason behind that was, but keep an eye out anyway. We have heard before, and we've talked about it on the podcast that some dogs have been, like, sort of stolen and stuff locally during lockdown and um, attempted theft and stuff of dogs. It makes me so scared as a dog owner. Um, and so just to pass out that message, tell your friends and, and relatives to be careful and not leave the dog unattended or anything like that, just be taken care. After we've seen what happened with Lady Gaga, maybe once that. I actually seen this on Sky a couple of nights ago and it's been up 170%. What's that? In the UK, the dog napping. And the worst thing is because... It's classed as property. It's it's only a sixty pound fine for stealing a dog. Property because because it's classed as property. It's the same. That's disgusting. It's, I don't like that. And the the thing was that they were talking about. This was the thing that really got me. And I shouldn't have told Bryce about it because well, I was just telling him. I know he gets really sensitive about dogs. Yeah. But it was the idea that the dogs don't understand that you've not given the person permission. And when the dog comes back, the woman was saying that the dog wasn't was weird around her because she thought oh, she gave him away. No, I don't was, like that. Because after I watched the story, I came in and kissed Max in the head under Bryce's desk. And I was like, "You're <laughs> all right. <laughs> We've got you. We'll go That's all sad, John Wick. 
poor doggies, but I just keep an eye out for your dogs and stuff. Don't leave them unattended, not just in, in Everclyde and stuff, but anywhere. Don't leave them unattended because they don't know what's going on and it's better just to watch them. I, I, oh, it makes me so panic. I don't even want to think about it. Well, who would do that? I really? Yeah. Just a horrible person. Um, we if Again, if you follow us on uh, Instagram, you'll see that earlier in the week, um, we had a picture posted of the Oak Mall here in Greenock and it's absolutely desolate as you'd imagine. Very few stores are opening there just now because very few are, are sort of necessary businesses so most of the stores are closed. The Oak Mall is very, very quiet. Um, it's sad. We hope it opens up soon and we'll be able to support our local shops but there's actually some statistics here we've got for you today on a crash in footfall for shoppers. Um, shopper footfall has crashed falling under 70% in a year and industry bodies found. The Scottish Retail Consortium, known as SRC, um, their data indicates that shoppers rightly heeded instructions uh, not to visit stores across the country, dropping to 69.2% in February compared to the same months of the previous year. Um, this was an increase of 3.3%, though, from January. Uh, and the, the average UK decline was 73.5% over the year. The director of the SRC has said, unsurprisingly, footfall in Scotland crashed last month against the comparable pre-pandemic trading period of February last year. The decline was in line with that witness in January. So obviously we do have to not visit shops and stuff. It's, it's nothing within our control, but it is really sad and it's a concern. Um, and that's why we're always keen to support local businesses and small business. So, um, yeah, do that when you can. If you need to shop for a birthday or something like that, go on Instagram or something, find some nice local business or even on Etsy, there's small businesses on there try and support smaller people try to keep their doors open because it's a tough time there are always little shops that I was always frightened of little shops like that when I was younger because I was always I was a branded kind of person but I love it now yeah like I was just saying today I mean you were at a wee walk and I walked past the charity shops I absolutely I love going to a charity shop and finding a wee treasure or a cute wee outfit or something like that I miss that so much just going and finding something nice and because I found um a website I think it's an American thing but it's came to the UK recently I can't remember the name um but what it does is it sends you a bag out and you put your old clothes in there and send it into them and then they sell it but they sell it like at prices that they sell like and you know that shop in Glasgow what's it called that hipster shop Oh, Urban Outfitters. Urban Outfitters. Aye. They sell the clothes really expensive, and it's a lot of stuff they've got for, like, free that's been donated and stuff like that, but they sell this stuff really, really expensive. Uh, and I mean, really expensive, like, as in, like, £70 for, like, a distressed T-shirt or a button-up or something like that. It's really dear. But, like, see the amount of, like, good wee stuff I've got in charity shops. It's crackers. Is that not, I like, a... That. Is that not, like, a an episode of The Apprentice when they buy stuff out of charity shops and then... <laughs> I don't know. But... <laughs> On that note, what is your best find in a charity shop? What have you got? I've had like... an instance where you slagged me off because one time I bought a nice, like, sort of wicker tray with a glass covering over it, and it had, like, sort of um, taxidermy of, like, butterflies and, like, pressed flowers and stuff inside it, and you thought it was hideous. But I bought that wee tray with the, like, placemat thing that came with it for cups, and I got Still that, got and then I, it was only, like, maybe three four years later i looked online and, and saw it and like it's over a hundred pounds it's a really expensive thing but i've got some really good books i went to one a charity shop in kilmacomb that was kind of pricey um but um they've got good stuff but my absolute favorite thing you know that i love kate Eddy. you know that she's my idol and icon for my whole life i was in a wee thrift shop in Girvan with my husband before and there was a book a kate Eddy book that was signed but it was signed to a girl and it had this girl's name in it. it says, like, say, to Stephanie from Kate Eddy and stuff like that. Best wishes. 
and I was like, oh my god, like she's signed this, it's amazing. I was so excited when I buy it. It was like fifty pence this book, and so I had it in my hand and was clutching it, so excited, walking around the rest of the shop looking. And then my husband amazingly came back with a book that was just signed, like lots of love, Kaidi, without somebody's name on it. So now I've got that book, and I'm going to tell all and sundry that I'm at Kaidi, but. I hope I get it one day. I hope I did. Like, honestly, I would cry and cry and cry. Kate, Eddie and Jessalyn, if I met them, I would just cry. That would be an interesting. I would like to meet both of them at the same time. That would be a good day. That would be a weird dinner table. Yeah, it would be. Um, but back to the news. Um, if you listened in on Sunday, is it Sunday? What day is it now? This is Friday. We spoke to them on Wednesday, didn't we? We were here on Wednesday. Yeah. Aye, it was Wednesday. So we were talking about how um, the the naval bases at Coolport and Faz Lane, we're talking about industrial action, the United Union was calling for that. Um, there's further details on that today due to safety concerns with it. Um, so the Faz Lane and Coolport naval bases on the Clyde, a trade union raised what it calls major safety concerns over plans by contractor Capita to reduce the number of firefighters at the bases. Um, Capita is set to cut specialist fire safety crew by eight people which is a 15% reduction of the overall workforce there. Uh, Capita won the contract last year from the MOD and the Unite Union has criticised Capita for not holding any consultation on the detail of the new fire services model at the nuclear bases and the integrated management risk plan. It's understood Capita was set to seek local authority support to backfill. So it's basically going to this private sort of contract is then putting pressure on local authorities to provide firefighters from something that they're cutting. Um, United is already involved in a pay and bargaining dispute at Coolport and Fag Lane following overwhelming support for strike action from its 1,000 strong membership. Last week, union members voted by 95% in support of strike action on an aggregated 65% turnout across the three entities at the bases. Um, be held in conjunction, the strike action will be held in conjunction with continuous call-out ban and ban on all overtime so there's some crazy stuff going on at these, these military bases which shouldn't be See, fucking there anyway would it be <clears throat> military firefighters like is it or is it I, like well, that's, that's what's there now so it's like naval firefighters and stuff what they're saying is this private contract that MOD is appointed is now cutting the workforce there by 15% meaning that to fill in the gaps with that because the like just says um, they've put a ban on um, overtime and stuff like that so um, they're, they're making local authorities pay for the catch up in that yeah so and that as means we know local authorities are under a lot of pressure anyway with like, the increased demands of COVID and stuff so there's just a, a lot of pressure on local authorities as it is never mind this so that that would be the big green goddesses then they would use over there mm, I guess yeah I remember when they were around the streets. Remember when they went on strike and the Green Goddesses were around. I don't know if you were here. The I Green Goddesses. So. Yeah, people were getting into trouble because what was happening is around here, people were phoning fake fires so their wings could see the the army come out in their big Jesus green trucks. Um, <clears throat> speaking on actually on this, like. I don't want to cut you up, it will get a lot to get through today and I'm going to get a rambling tail. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, but we've got a, I think you've got a story actually on a new billboard that's been placed in Greenock. We talked about a billboard um, that was just down by the Esplanade Cafe a few weeks ago that was placed there by um, a group that opposed Scottish independence calling out the First Minister, asking her to do her job. Um, that's been done there for a few weeks now and there's pictures of that on our social media and we wrote about that. Um, but there's a further development on this now that we have another billboard. Uh, this billboard is between Campbell Street and Brome Street. 
it says vaccine, vaccination, not separation, and it is emblazed with the the Scottish Matters. What is it? Scottish Matters poster. Right, so it's, it's the same same pressure group as it that's put the other yeah. one. Yeah. It's a similar correct. style, I believe. But what we'll do is, if you haven't seen this billboard quite yet, we'll get um, pictures of that put up on our social media and website just so you can have a look and we'll put some information on there what's going on with pictures of the previous billboard um, just so you can get up to date with what's going on there. The group is called uh, the Scottish Government to do their job and combat on coronavirus and it's say yes to the United Kingdom is the people that is running it. And it's a mm. former Conservative SNP from Greenock that's, that's doing it. Hold on, you cough. There you go. So, I know that must be near, near down the Esplanade, that one too, because I, I couldn't tell from the photo. But that's the second one that's been up and... They just want to do the suspending rollout in like the vaccination and not talk about and not talk about the yes movement. So I can hear actually coughs through the wall. So this is me sorry. trying to carry it off. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. I was going to start um, dancing there. I was like, dance. I think what we're going to do is go grab my inhaler real quick. So if you want to jump on one of your next stories, okay, we're going to talk. What about the, um, the alpacas in Inverkit? That is the one exactly that I just picked up. See, I read your mind. Excuse well, me, I'm going to go grab an inhaler. You grab an inhaler, and you with me, and let's talk about alpacas. One of, I don't know if you knew, but down near the Inverkip on the big building bit that I always forget the name of, they're going to state. They are alpacas kept in there, and they've been there for a couple of months now. But it's getting larger, they're getting more area so they can get more alpacas and you can book with Fred and Francina Wade and go see the alpacas, have an alpaca experience. They, they've started their business about six, seven months ago and now they've expanded it. See, actually, I've, got go some, um, I've got a, a thing on that. that in uh, a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be interviewing uh, a family that's got a bed and breakfast in Inverkip called Foresters, you might know about them, but they're actually doing um, a wee redesign in there, getting the place all updated and decorated. We're going to do a wee interview with them for a feature on the website, so you could go stay down there, down at the Foresters, and then go and see alpacas. Go on an alpaca adventure. I've always, I liked alpacas. Have you ever met one? Were they not ones up at the uni? Did they not bring up alpacas to make people... That was their idea. They did. It was like a mental health initiative. Mental health is... Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were happy alpacas and they brought them in like twice a month so you could go and soak the alpacas and feel good about yourself. Yeah. That's nice. Um, so... On Wednesday, we were on talking about the the inquiry at the Scottish Parliament and the First Minister was on giving her evidence on the, the handling of the harassment um, inquiry and the harassment uh, allegations against Alex Salmond. Um, there was a back and forth, as we know, and one of the people that came under fire on that <clears throat> was uh, Tory MSP Murdo Fraser, who had asked the First Minister at one point to actually apologise for the alleged actions of, of Alex Salmond, which she obviously refused to do. Um, but Murdo Fraser, I know, Murdo Fraser um, is in the press again today 
um, by the Joker, the writer in the National, um, saying that <clears throat> Murdo Fraser, um, as most people do when they're on Zooms, have an, an exciting wee display behind them, sort of giving a picture of who they are as a person. And what he has is a picture of his uh, family, uh, a baby, if you picture, uh, above a picture of a baby, and another of his beloved often tweeted about car. Murdo Fraser has a document with a distinctive scroll of disgraced US President Donald Trump. Um, it says in, in thick black marker, <clears throat> Trump has written a personalised note to the Tory MSP. You can't quite make out the full thing the National has said, but it looks like it says, Murdo, appreciate the something, the, the committee something. It is a very important something, something, something. Best wishes and sign Donald Trump. So he's got that in pride of place behind him above a picture of his baby. <laughs> That's, I've never even noticed it because I pay attention when they go there. I was like, because you have so many politics books and things like that, I play Got Got Needs. Yeah. And they go up, I'm like, oh, got that one, mm-hmm. got that one. My favourite, actually, is Patrick Harvey with his, his second doctor. Because like, Oh, I see... yeah. You talked about that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I see his, his TARDIS in the background, and I'm like, there you go, Patrick Harvey. Good guy. So that's Murdo Fraser getting into <clears throat> hot water for that. Staying on the Tories, being snide, um, there has been, as we know, the budget was Wednesday. We talked about that as well as the committee. Um, Rishi Sunak announced a £1 billion town funding plan. Um, he's now been criticised for that by Labour, 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 God Almighty, Labour leader Keir Starmer. <clears throat> because of the of uh, almost ninety percent of the areas that are allocated cash in this plan are represented by a Tory MP. Um, the constituencies of four Tory ministers are in level one, the top tier for funding, including Alistair Jacks, Dumfries, and Galloway constituency. Um, Keir Starmer told reporters yesterday, if we look at the town's fund, there are forty five areas, and forty of those are where there are Conservative MP. I think lots of people would scratch their heads and say, what is going on here? <clears throat> This should be going where it is really needed and the government needs to publish the criteria for this because 40 of the 45 go to conservative areas. This feels like pork barrel politics. He added, we have no issue with areas getting funding, of course. We need funding across the whole of the UK. Um, we've had a decade where the economy has been stalling. There needs to be investment. We all want to see that funding going in, but it has to go in properly to the areas that most need it and that has got to go in a transparent way. If you end up with a list of 45 areas where the funding is going in, and by coincidence, 40 of them are where there's a Conservative MP, most people would look at that and say, what's going on here? This looks fishy. Um, the funding is based on an index, said, is based on an index of economic need, which is transparently published by MHCLG, which is the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government, and is based on a bunch of objective measures, he said vaguely. And one of them is going to Oxford. Aye, one of them is, did you go to Oxbridge? Are we friends? Are you paying me? <laughs> I'd be interested to know what the five others are. Like, what parties are they? Are they... DUP? Yeah, are they... Are they right-wing also? Are they... I was going to say right-sided. That just sounds mm. weird, doesn't it? Um, and, and just for just a wee bit on the committee as well, we won't go into that, because I know you're probably being beaten over the head with that this week. <clears throat> um, but um, yesterday in Holyrood, the First Minister was questioned by the new Labour leader, Anna Sarwar. Um, he says to her that he was, um, within the coming weeks, James Hamilton QC will, re- will present his report on potential breaches of the ministerial code to the government. The outcome of this report will be crucial in establishing the facts about what happened. 
The wholly unacceptable, disgraceful situation we have had with the legal advice cannot be repeated with the Hamilton report. So can the First Minister give the people of Scotland a cast-iron guarantee that the government will release the report without delay or obstruction on the date it's handed over by James Hamilton QC? Nicholas Sturgeon replied, yes. And Sarwar went on, I'm pleased the First Minister has provided a cast-iron guarantee, etc, etc. <laughs> so she just, <laughs> he had the whole preamble and she just said, yes. And that was it? <clears throat> That's it. That's all. Yeah, she's she's been getting it tight. I know that's not mm-hmm. a political term, but she needs what well, if this wasn't actually two weeks in top a caravan anyway. Uh, two weeks at caravan with Frank. Um we did actually do a poll on this because uh there's some question over whether Scotland or not not Scotland, but the SNP's um reputation in Europe is now being affected by the the Salmon Sturgeon saga as it's been christened here. Um, there's a quote in Mouse of the Clyde with the poll that we put saying the EU expert Giles Merritt has said, I think the, the view that in Brussels is that the squabble between the two leaders is devastatingly bad PR. The SNP had been broadly seen as a more mature political mechanism than Boris and his Bexiteers, but now the parish pump quality of Scottish politics is proving very disappointing. And we asked um, the Mouse of the Clyde contributors on here, do you think the EU's perception of the SNP is declining due to the inquiry? We've got 100% no on that. We've had 23 replies, 100% no. So people think it's going to be all right. Really good. It's just a bump in the road. That's it. I hope so. With the elections coming up on sixth of May, it's a concern. Are we doing an all nighter for that? Absolutely. I would love to do an all nighter and an all nighter show. Also, why don't do we? Own... I mean, we, we can't post the whole. If we do that, we can't post the whole show on Spotify. But what we'll do on election night. Well, actually, it might be different this time because we spoke about it a few weeks ago in Mouth of Clyde. Um, it's going to be different ways of counting it this year, but we definitely will stay up and endeavour to cover the news coverage that night and um, maybe we'll try and get some interviews with local people and, and local perspectives and get that put on our website. We can get some pictures and stuff on the day. I, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm thinking a lot of people are going to be voting by postal ballot according to the poll we put on Mouth of Clyde a wee while ago last week um, and by the SNP sort of endeavour to try and get a million people to vote via post this election. But yeah, we'll, we'll do a, a show in stereo that night and we'll stay up and listen. You guys can listen in and we'll do maybe an abridged version to put on Spotify, etc. But we're going to do a special show. That's a good idea. All night long. <clears throat> Where will they, be, will they be counting around here? Because they used to count at the sports centre, but I guess not because it's in Clyde, like they would have like a bigger hub. Um, I They're going to have to have smaller places to, to count them because there's a limit and there's a limit of how many people can attend a polling place, there's a limit of how many people can be in one place counting. So we're going to have to just wait and see how the situation lies on May the 6th because, like, as they say, a week's a long time in politics and a month's even longer, but um, especially in COVID times, we just need to wait and see how things go and how things are on May the 6th. But we'll be here. We'll be covering other news and stuff as usual. You can count on us. Definitely. And because this is done over phone and headphones, we... If this was normal time, we could be standing outside a polling station in a in a raincoat. That, that's the dream. And maybe in future years we will, and yeah. we just have to wait and see. <clears throat> um, there's a, a small piece here, and I know climate change sounds dull, and you're not interested in that, um, but there's been a, an urgent call on uh, this, on climate change reform. There's a poll on the side for that as well, which we'll go into, but it's saying that urgent action is needed to ensure Scotland's climate change targets are met. Several committees of MSPs have said that including a timescale for phasing out new hybrid cars. So phasing out the, the, diesel and, the new diesel and petrol cars by 2030 
MSPs are saying that the Scottish Government should set out a timescale for reti- retiring new hybrid vehicles as drivers move to all new electric transport. Um, what, they're shift- what they're trying to do is shift um, car journeys in reduction by 20% by the year 2030. Um, the poll on Mouth of the Clyde, I was asking if people think they're going to be using electric cars by 2030. Um, again, we've had 20-odd people, 25 people participate in this. 75% says no, they don't think they'll be using an electric car by 2030. 25% people, 25% think yes, they will be. Do you think you'll be using an electric car by 2030? The only electric car I've ever been in is in a bumper car in the, at the fair. And I do see when I'm outside, with, I could, I think there are four or five ones I can name for the for charging them in Greenock. Uh-huh. Uh, there's not and, a lot. But see, given the size of your town and the population, and from where I've seen like, charging points other places, I think there's an okay amount of charging points in Greenock. There's definitely not a lot, but considering how popular it is right now, I think it's all right. Yeah, it's... It's too expensive right now. They're not technically second-hand electric cars, if you know what I mean. Because it's mm. usually... Who buys new cars? You know what I mean? Yeah, nobody no, really buys. Um, if we just do a wee quick update, you'll probably heard the COVID figures by today and things, but just to give you a quick update on it, because the First Minister's come out saying she thinks that Scotland's firmly heading in the right direction and there are numbers now below zero, which she expects it to remain. Um, Scotland has recorded 24 deaths from COVID and 500 positive tests in the last 24 hours, and that brings the death toll under the measure to 7,398. Uh, there were 726 people in hospital con- confirmed to have coronavirus, down 24 in 24 hours, and 69 patients were in intensive care. The First Minister said there, there's little doubt at the moment that things are heading in the right direction and there's much to feel optimistic about, but to continue with caution and comply with state home regulations and other measures. Just a wee quick update. Every day. You could be, we were on the podium yesterday, if you know, on yeah. Wednesday. We had our own podium. <laughs> on our terrible Photoshop endeavours on Instagram. Please That's... follow us on there to see Will's adventure through trying to teach himself Photoshop. I'm getting there. Well, You're I'm, getting I'm there. Actually... It's, it is funny, if nothing else. I'm enjoying it. Like, that's, that's my new hobby, is trying to make deep fakes of me and you. And I've, My favourite ones, I don't know if we've posted them, is the ones with Max places yeah we've posted one of those um just in the last few minutes i'm seeing people report on twitter that's starting to trend that a newsreader had just co- uh, referred to matt hancock as matt hancocker i don't want to get out the newsreader and see what station it was on but a, re- a newsreader has called him matt hancocker and we actually do have a bit of news for you on that subject um that uh, there's a claim by matt hancock that has been debunked today in the press he has said quote the priority order for vaccinating everybody has been the same no matter where you live across the UK. There's been one of that's been one of the strengths of the rollout. He said that on the fourth of March, um, so a few days ago. Um, they're saying Hancock is wrong. The strength of the vaccination rollout was that Scotland was able to do its own thing and opted to prioritise elderly care home residents who were the most vulnerable to the COVID nineteen virus. Scotland achieved a one hundred percent cover for elderly care home residents ahead of England. And um, there's a bunch of background on that and stuff as well. But they're basically just debunking what he said. Um, on the fact check rating for that another zero Matt Hancock should not be relying on Matt Damon for vaccination strategy zero 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 you see the person that called him Matt Hancock yeah was it Jonathan Pye no it was an actual news reader not (laughs) Not Pye not Pye although we do love him I do love Pye he's great he's funny I like the um, the man next door as well 
Michael Spicer. I, I don't think I've seen Michael Spicer. You have seen him, he sits next door and looks at a headset on and shouts at them. Oh, yes. Yes, I have seen that. Um, There's another story here saying drinking habits of men are changed more than those of women by minimum unit pricing. Um, so that's, of course, the, the, the health outcome implemented by the Scottish Government to add a 50p minimum unit price. Um, what they're saying is that leads to a seven-fold larger reduction in consumption and a three times larger reduction in hospital admissions for men compared to women. This was a study by researchers at Glasgow University um, and found that men's alcohol consumption and purchasing patterns are more likely to be influenced by the cost compared to women. So basically, if women want to go for a drink, they're going to have one, whereas men are going to look at it and be like, how much is that costing? And that would be a decisive thing for them. So back in the day, I know you don't drink anymore, but back in the day when you and your friends would sort of regularly go to the pub and stuff, was that a thought in your mind that, should I do this it's going to be expensive or we just know our so you're going to go regardless? As you know, I'm a notorious skin front and was drinking like what was on the pumps in the James Watt. Like everyone else was like, oh, getting a tenants and I'm getting like orange eye pale ale, but it was like 99 pence and tasted like shoes. Mm-hmm. But so I was always working with all those when everyone was drinking that, I was drinking that Jamaican, what's the Jamaican beer called again? Red Stripe? Red Stripe, yeah. Yeah, I just drunk trash. That's probably why my stomach's so messed up. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think for me, though, if I was going to go out and have a drink, I wouldn't be considering what the price is. Like, how people can often quote, or oh, a pint costs this or that. Like, I have really no idea, like, what drinks cost. Like, I kind of just tap my card. Not that I'm loaded or anything, like, far from it, but I, I don't know how much it costs. Because that's why people drink in Weatherspoons. Weatherspoons doesn't have a personality or anything yeah. like that. It was just cheap pints. <laughs> There's no music or anything like that. Or it was just cheap food, microwave meals and cheap pints. Yeah. But if you want a personality in a place that you're going to pay for, it. you're paying for the I music. Would, I would disagree with that, though. The Greenock one's definitely got a personality. I mean, it's got a character of some sort, I would say. <laughs> it's got rats. That's yeah. Right. Or it did have the Weatherspoons does no longer have rats, so I've heard. Do we have a contribution? We do. Do you want to press it? You do the first one. Go for it. Oh yeah, look at that handlebar mustache. Looks like perfect for some good old mustache ride. <laughs> do you endorse the mustache ride, Green? I will. I'm a white knuckle mustache ride. If you want us to come back, it is a. So would that have? I. That's in the real life also. That's not just a a photo. That's not just a joke. I have a full-grown yeah. year-and-a-half moustache on my face. He really does have that. Um, right. There's a story here that I want to talk about, but it's going to make me annoyed. Go for it. Like, give yourself a bit of rage. Well, it's, I mean, so I'll, I'll preface this by saying this is NHS England that we're talking about, but... NHS Scotland's obviously different rules it's a, a devolved issue but um, Rishi Sunak is under increasing pressure to provide more money for the health service after it emerged the government is only planning to give the NHS workers a 1% pay rise next year um, there was a, a quote that I heard on the radio today from um, Annalise Dodds who said that to the effect of that they were concerned about health and about the NHS and all this but now their focus is on the economy and on supporting hospitality workers which is fair enough they deserve support as well but for everything that our healthcare has done for us nationwide, I know this is England, but still it deserves attention. 
these people in healthcare deserve much more than that, deserve much, much better. Um, the the Unite Union is, is uh, the Unison, sorry, not Unite, Unison, who represents the healthcare working staff, are calling for people to take to their doorsteps and do a slow clap now um, in support of them, um, saying that the, the healthcare workers need the support, deserve the, the respect and appreciation. And not just that, even if it wasn't fucking COVID time, these people have got a bloody hard job and they deserve better than a 1% pay increase. It's absolutely oh. ridiculous. Stop the fucking clapping and giving them money. Aye, stop like, fucking clapping for them and open your pockets, Rishi Sunak. Fucking prick. Help them out. Like, I know that's not a... very good objective journalism, but fuck that. Pay the fucking uh, nurses and doctors and support staff. These people, the people that we've got to thank for, for getting through this whole thing, they were there in the thick of it, doing long shifts in dangerous places, and it's, it, it sickens me that this is even a topic of conversation. It's fucking uh, annoying. They're 12 hours on their feet, sore. Like, as we've mentioned before, both me and Ash's mums are both nurses. So we've seen people on the front line. We've seen it firsthand, what it does to people. And it's both of them are, are just puffed out. That yeah. was the only phrase. Yeah. Another thing that's going to annoy me is to go into the topic of Preeti Patel. Now, there we go. Um... Her stewardship of the Home Office facing fresh scrutiny last night following the agreement of a six-figure settlement with a senior civil servant who claimed he was forced out of his job for um, having her intervene in alleged bullying of fellow staff. White House sources say Sir Philip Rutnam, the former, former permanent secretary in the Home Office, received a £340,000 settlement with £30,000 in cost. He had threatened to take Patel to an employment tribunal in September. He was also suing the government under whistleblowing laws. This payoff now means that Preeti Patel and Boris Johnson no longer have to face the possibility of giving evidence at a public tribunal. So they've paid £370,000 to this man in settlement and legal costs combined. Guess who's paying that and they're not going to face public tribunal. But that's the government the country has overwhelmingly voted for, for some fucking reason. Can I, look, I always love to think that the way she bullies is just straightforward playground. Look, hey, fatty, fatty. Like, I would like to think of it as, as childish as possible. Like, I just don't like her. She no. just she comes across really smug. It's just, just it's annoying. That, it's that grin that she's got. And I hate bringing down women, especially in positions of power and stuff, because I like to see women in, in like, equal representation and high-power jobs and stuff like that. But she's just a cunt. I'm trying to remember someone's name here. Like, I want to see her trying to bully that lassie for Paisley. Just send her in. Mary Black. I right, send Mary Black in. Mary Black it out. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> that video of Mary Black swearing and like all the things that they've called her? And she's Aye. got a pure straight face. Now look. Let's go cunt. Sure, they accused her of um, taking cocaine in the House of Commons. They said she was licking a Kit Kat residue off her finger. <laughs> <laughs> um. I've got a, a celebrity story for you if you've got any interest. Always. Um, Mariah Carey's brother, Morgan, is suing him. Uh, suing her, sorry. He is suing Mariah Carey. Morgan Carey. Morgan Carey. Uh, Mariah has written a book called The, Mar- the Meaning of Mariah Carey. Um, Morgan, her brother, has filed a lawsuit in New York Supreme Court against the singer. Um, he's alleging defamation and intense intentional infliction of emotional distress he joined a Kerry Q says the Guardian 
Mariah's sister Allison is also suing, claiming the book contains cruel and outrageous allegations about her. Um, Morgan wants unspecified damages and a judicial determination that many of the passages are false and defamatory. Um, his, book, his lawsuit claims the book causes serious damage to his reputation and his personal business affairs and extreme mental anguish and damages negotiations for a feature film he was developing. So sad. Um, in the book, she just, um, Mariah describes a fight between her brother and her daddy, writing that I witnessed the possibility that a member of my family could brutally die in front of my eyes. This cliched and racial, Morgan then says, this cliched and racially charged portrayal of two black males engaged in a physical struggle never happened. It accuses Mariah of trying to play the victim card and curry favour with the Black Lives Matter movement um, and that this is uh, a false and defamatory lie. Mariah also alleges there was no telling what Morgan might do for money. He accepted a $1,200 advance when an acquaintance, Virginia Carol Maddox, tried to hire him to murder her husband in 1980. Maddox carried out the killing herself in the end and was convicted of murder. Um, Morgan admitted the payment when testifying against Maddox. His legal action states, the memoir states as a, a fact that the plaintiff accepted money as payment to murder someone. Um, when he learned of Maddox's claim to have mistakenly shot her husband, believing him to be an intruder, the plaintiff immediately contacted the prosecuting attorney and he voluntarily testified before the grand jury in the case of uh, Virginia Carol Maddox. Um, and um, Mariah rejects um, Morgan rejects Mariah's description of him as some, sometimes drug dealing between in the system drunk ass brother uh, and that his rage was unpredictable he claimed he was not approached before um, publication to comment on the allegations damn you know what I like to think about with that and it's mm. the thing that's played in my head is the family all having a fight and a shouting match but they all can hit that note oh <laughs> So they're all shouting at each other, but they're all hitting the pure, like, we staccato. We prison. <laughs> wasn't, she, wasn't her thing is that she can smash glass with her voice back in the day? Really? That was her calling card. Um, I've got further uh, celebrity news, if you're interested. Celebrity news, yeah. I but your like idea... What? I was going to say, your idea... So I like wrestlers and... And trash and your idea of celebrities is where you said that you would go weak at the knees for for a news reporter. <laughs> no, a news reporter, Kate Aidy. Kate Aidy. Yeah, uh, put some put some respect in that name there. Sorry. Um, I know that it's, we've been very royal ha- family heavy. Um, in the past week, it's not intentional. It's not that we're super fans of the royals, but they have kind of dominated the the newspapers and television in the past couple of weeks. So we do have a few. Royal family stories. Um, of course, it reported on the Duke of Edinburgh. He was in King Eddie's hospital. Then he got took to St Bart's, where apparently he had an operation. Today, he was taken back to King Edward's hospital in central London, where he's going to undergo additional care. He's reported to have had some sort of surgery or procedure in St Bart's hospital, which is believed to be on an underlying heart condition that he had. I think it now marks he left. He hadn't seen the Queen since the sixteenth of February or something like that. So. This is um, the longest time they've been apart for decades, apparently. So that's still ongoing with him. He's not well. Like we said, he's 99 years old and he's just been given surgery at what was described on LBC today as arguably the best hospital in Britain. I don't know any other 99-year-olds that would have been given um, that sort of surgery. I know that for a fact because I know palliative care nurses very, very well. And they've told me that um, that would be unlikely that somebody that age would go through that, especially with underlying conditions and things. They'd probably just make them comfortable. The, the yeah. But I bet he's got like a sixteen-year-old boy's heart now, or something like that. Monkey heart. Jesus. <laughs> um, further news. 
Um, the Mail and Sunday having to publish the whole thing about Megan because of the lawsuit that's ongoing. There's a probe now that Buckingham Palace have launched um, regarding conduct in the Duke and Duchess of Sussex's household when they were still members of the royal family officially. Uh, uh, the Duke and Duchess said they have yet to be contacted by the palace after the palace announced that they launched this investigation and the allegations of bullying by Meghan. Um, they will not be personally involved in the investigation as they're no longer part of the royal household. Um, but it's um, they're saying that the palace is perpetuating falsehoods about her and Harry. And this is obviously mm. a, a, a ahead of the Oprah situation that we're going to see at the weekend. It's going to be shown in the United States on Sunday evening. Um, and ITV have brought, bought the rights of that to show, if they paid £1 million for that, and it's going to be shown next Monday evening on ITV. Um, I think it's about 9 o'clock or something next Monday, but we'll, we'll update you on that on Sunday Sunday brunch this weekend. But um, yet again, we will watch that so you don't have to. So if you don't fancy watching it and just want the highlights and lowlights, we'll be back on here for you next week and you can um, get filled in on that. Uh, a last thing on the royal issue, the Martin Bashir thing. BBC journalist Martin Bashir will not face a criminal investigation over allegations he used fake documents to persuade Diana, Princess of Wales to take part in an interview in which she opened up about her marriage. This, of course, is in 1995 when he famously interviewed Princess Diana. Probably if you've ever seen a clip of Princess Diana being interviewed, it is this one with Martin Bashir where she's like looking down and all like Bambi doe-eyed. Um, saying here, the Met have looked into this, they've sought legal advice from internal lawyers from the Crown Prosecution Service and determined that further involvement was not appropriate. Lawyers for Alan Waller, a former employee of Earl Spencer, which who is Diana's brother, uh, claimed he was the subject of false documents allegedly used to gain access to her. Um, the the commander, uh, Commander Alex Murphy of the Met, has said in recent months the Metropolitan Police received correspondence alleging unlawful activity in connection with a, a documentary broadcast in 1995. This was carefully assessed by specialist detectives. Following this detailed assessment and in view of the advice we have received, we have determined it is not appropriate to begin a legal investigation into these allegations. It was alleged Bashir had used, obviously, mocked-up bank statements um, to persuade Spencer to give him access to Princess Diana, uh, falsely claiming that Waller was uh, receiving payments. Um, and the BBC has acknowledged that Bashir admitted commissioning mocked-up bank documents, so they've admitted that he broke the law, but the journalist said they had played no part in securing the interview. Uh, the broadcaster has backed Bashir, relying on a note from Diana in which she, she acknowledged the journalist did not coerce her. It has agreed to hold an independent inquiry, which of course it will. Ah, but that's it on the Royals. Well, um, we've got a comment there. All right, sorry, go ahead. Let's see. I'm a Rangers fan, but honestly, fuck the Royal family. Fuck them off, Dana. There you go. But I, I think that's a, a pretty common viewpoint in Scotland and like, I, I can understand that even if it wasn't your viewpoint before now with the amount of coverage that they've got in, in the media you could see how people would get sick of them like, and I'll say like I respect the Queen because I think she's a very hard working person she's worked all her life but I would agree with that um, contributor um, that there's no need for them when she dies I think it should just go why should we be paying for this It's a shitty soap opera that we're all paying for It is, it's the most expensive soap opera of all time yeah, there were another wee bit that you didn't mention. I'm not going to cover all of it, but do you know Oprah's married, oh, mad at James Corden because he covered a lot of the things that he was going to cover on oh, her bit. Really? Mm-hmm. But she's supposedly furious. Well, she's not going to lose any viewers, is she? Everybody's no, not at all. Oprah. That's what everybody's wanting to see is the Oprah situation. Um, there's been a bit of a drama amongst the the over eighties community, which. <laughs> 
is weird. Um, apparently, the, uh, a survey um, by the Office of National Statistics indi- indicates that two in five of those a- age 80 or over in England, once they'd had the coronavirus jag, have admitted to breaking lockdown rules to meet up by, with someone because they thought that was them safe now and all right to go. Uh, and also in care homes, the uh, some care homes are planning to defy government demands to let loved ones hold hands on indoor visits from Monday, arguing that the risk of transmitting COVID is still too high. Charities, including Age UK, say the government has told care operators to make physical contact possible using testing and PPE, but some operators say they will not allow it. Barchester, who is one of the largest home operators in England, and with more than 200 facilities, has asked the government to postpone the visiting plan, warning that lateral flow tests for visitors lack accuracy and they don't have enough PPE. What do you think about that? But the old people going out and thinking, no, I've my jag, I'm all right, I'll, I'll go out. I know someone that might do that, but it sounds like that. <laughs> the thing they would do. But I, so... I could see how they feel, though, because like all this time they've been in, and like you think I'm... Over eighty, like I don't care anymore. I miss my friend. I miss my life. I want to go out. It's the same as us all, but I can see the the logic behind it. <clears throat> Do you know how there were like illegal raves and stuff like that? Do you yeah. think there'd be a market if we put on illegal bingo, <laughs> illegal tea dances and stuff like that? We're going to put on a tea dance and some bingo, and we'll get all the old people coming. <laughs> Um, on the, the subject of old people, actually, there's a, a piece here about embroidery, because we're talking about hobbies as well earlier on, and they're saying that there's a there's a, an embroiderer's guild, which is 115 years old, apparently, and said that the series Bridgerton, who's, which has recently been so popular on Netflix, a combination of Bridgerton and the Netflix series have boosted cross-stitching kit sales by 545% at Hobbycraft, um, and this uh, guild is aiming to promote and preserve textile art and it's 145 branches who are apparently struggling because of its ageing membership and falling magazine sales. So if you fancy a newbie hobby, maybe embroidery is the one. That's what that chess show on Netflix did also. The, the, Queen's, the Queen's Gambit. Gambit. It's got people, yeah. playing, got people playing chess again. Which is pretty uh, cool. I was wondering if, if you could um, tell us, I think you've got a story about Jeremy Paxman there. Nutty Paxo shoots squirrels from Lou. Is that what you're talking about? That's, that's actually that's the, the one. That's the one. What's happening there? So, so let me go into this. Look, when we go through, you can see Ash is always getting the smart stories. Then I just see Jeremy Paxson shooting squirrels from his toilet. And I'm like, that's my guy. Let's go for it. So Jeremy Paxson is defending his habit of shooting squirrels while he's sitting on the toilet. A veteran broadcaster insisted during a live interview they kill all, so- all sorts of things. The seven-year-old so either you turn around, not while they're having a crap, of course, <laughs> just sitting on the way. Where did they say this? <laughs> when you on somewhere? Oh, the former news. I'm just looking for this. Was said this. It's a- oh Richard Heron's podcast live on the Richard Heron show. Weird. It's a weird thing to admit. And he says, "Look, well, just run around this." His garden, he was pissed off at him, and he, he puts his air gun. He just sat Dana Joby and shooting stuff. He's got his air gun out, and he just sees one. And he's like, Ah, there's one there. Pop. You sit on the top of the loo with the lid down, with the area where you can pop it off a squirrel or two. Former, oh my god, Paxman, who's renowned for his, his interview. 
can't, I can't even get through it. It's like nothing's wrong with targeting squirrels. As insisted, why it's not cruel? They're annoying me. Oh my god! They're always getting. They're always getting into his bird feeder. And he loves bird songs. And now they're coming in and stealing all the food from the bird feeder, and so he can't hear the songs. So he's fighting back. That's no good. Popping caps um, and squirrels' asses. Maybe he should be concerned about more serious things than this, because I've read a very sad story here. Like, oh, it's no good. It's not at all good. Let's get into it. Um, one in five UK schools has set up a food bank since the start of the pandemic to support struggling local families, according to a survey that highlights how deeply the coronavirus has hit living standards for many, especially in deprived areas. More than a third of teachers say that their school delivered food parcels to students' homes, and more than a quarter of schools run breakfast clubs. A third of teachers believe schools have become a key provider for COVID social support services. What are you doing? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry to bother you. No, um, I was... A school in Wales, a primary school, um, they used to do an annual harvest festival charity event um, to get pins and stuff in it to donate to a food bank, but they've now decided to focus it on its own pupils who were going hungry. The head teacher said, we started a food bank for our school. As the pandemic worsened and needs grew, those food parcels took on an increasing importance and the food bank rapidly became a weekly fixture. Um, we've seen an increase in demand for help from parents who we thought wouldn't normally have the, who we needed support due to the loss of jobs. Appro- approximately 50 families a week are supported through the school food bank, about one in 10 of all pupils, which is staggering. Um, and the food parcels they're providing to their, their students' families are um, bread, pasta, basics, Luro and stuff like that, plus a few treats. And that's supplied by local supermarkets with donations from other uh, families who are able to. See, I was always curious with that sort, of, with that sort of thing. Was like, see, when they're giving them for the school, are they giving them for that kid alone? Are they giving them for the house? You know what I mean? Uh, from from things I've seen, like remember when that um food parcel that that sort of private hire company came out and they were getting slagged on it at sort of the start of the year. Um, I think that was just for individuals shouldn't. So. Um, if you were supposed to get a school dinner and you weren't attending school during the pandemic, they would provide your dinner for you. I don't believe it's for the family, but this particular school um, in Eberville, the Willowton one, uh, Willowtown, I'm sorry, I think it's called, um, they're providing it for the family. It's an actual food parcel that would cater to a family. So it's like more of a big parcel than not just... Because could you imagine that, that you've only got one kid in school and then they get sent to me when you're like, we, mm. well, the mum and that can't eat? That's... Try to share that in between. And on the back of that as well, um, there's been some research here by the United Nations saying that people waste almost one billion tonnes of food a year worldwide. Um, uh, food discarded in homes totaled 74 kilograms per person on each year on average. In the UK, which is some of the best data, the edible waste represents eight meals per household per week, which is enormous. Um, this report also includes data from waste in restaurants and shops with 17% of all food dumped in, in restaurants and shops. I see that so frequently. Like, and I know there's, there's a sort of lifestyle in that now. That some people are what's called freegans, that they go and sort of dumpster dive and try and live on the, the things that are being just thrown away, not for a financial need, but um, because they just want, don't want to see this sort of waste. Uh, yeah. this, these statistics mean that a third of food is never eaten. Um, so the average weight, like I said, was 74 kilograms um, per person per year in homes worldwide. 
and 17% is the proportion of food produced for consumers that was binned from homes, restaurants and shops, which is just enormous. It's absolutely crazy. Um, and to continue this, like, overconsumption and capitalism and food and stuff like that, I had put a poll on Mouse of the Clay because the UK has now opened their first Amazon contactless supermarket. Uh, that's in Ealing in West London. And how that works is that you go into the shop and you have to have the Amazon app on your phone. You scan the app when you first enter and it sort of detects you in the store and uses some sort of smart technology when you pick up things and add it to your basket, like your physical basket and your Amazon basket, add it to your physical basket. There's thing, there's smart technology in the shop that detects those things. You don't need to meet a cashier or, in, or interact with any staff at all. The, st- the shop just uses the technology to detect what you've taken um, and then you just walk out the shop and it bills the uh, the card that's on your Amazon account already. Um, and it, the, it's stating here that while the customers do not need to interact with a member of staff, the store will still employ about 30 people and have about five workers on site at any time to handle queries, restock shelves and prepare food. So the robots aren't taking over, so don't panic. See what you were talking about, about throwing food out of shops and stuff? Mm-hmm. Remember the app that we, we used before? I don't think we ever like, got to actually get it's stuff called- out of it. Too, too good, good to go. Too good yeah. to go. If anybody's interested in that, that, that still does happen. It's sometimes it's free things. Sometimes it's not. Like it, it was better obviously before the pandemic. Let's say you're in Glasgow or something, um, and I say like I, I used to like the burrito shop one. The shop was closing. They, they had all this food they prepared that was supposed to be sort of put into the food, and it was on like a sort of subway buffet sort of situation. They would have to use that up. So you'd go in and be able to get like a burrito for a pound, or quite often in Glasgow because of the big hotels and stuff there or I guess in any big city that would be available, they do like sort of buffet breakfast in the morning um, for the, the residents there, and you can pay to go into that at certain times of day when it's sort of about to close, and you'd be able to get that for like a pound or two really, really like, inexpensively. So if you ever, like when the pandemic's over, obviously, if you find yourself at a loose end looking for something inexpensive to eat, it's a good thing to check out. Like, you can um, be sort of taking part in reducing waste that's getting thrown out and get yourself a wee bargain dinner as well. You could even go to a wee fancy place maybe and get a good value um, dinner for a fancy hotel or something. Yeah, I've checked. In Greenock, we've got the BP over at, over near where the IBM is. They always do it with their pasties and things. And we've got Greg's and that chocolate factory place in mm-hmm. Glasgow. Because I mm. can't drive or I would have been up there when I that one. Yeah. We did a, a poll over in Mouth of the Clyde that I was saying about the Amazon supermarket um, and asked the, the people over there if, if we had what, uh, an Amazon supermarket that was contactless in Inverclyde, if they would use it. 100% of people said yes, so that's just over 20 odd. So people are very keen, they're sort of supportive of the idea. So I doubt we've got one in Inverclyde for many years. Another poll, sorry if I can, I know this is a bit off topic, but we were in Tesco last night and we saw that they were selling um, period underwear. And it's by the brand Body Form, which sells like sort of like tampons and pads and stuff. And um, but it's now a box of underwear, and you get it in sizes ranging from small to extra large, sizes eight to twenty. Um, and it's twenty five pounds for a set of underwear, and it's apparently got some sort of like additional support, um, sort of where your crotch would be, and you wash them, whatever. It's just it looks like black pants. But I think it's just one pair of pants for twenty five pounds, and it. I don't know about other ladies, but I would just on my period I would tend to wear the sort of worst pants that I had, and then if you had to bend them, it's not any big deal. It seems excessive to me to spend twenty five pounds, especially with period poverty being what it is. Tampons and pads are expensive as they are, and like a further twenty five quid for a pair of period pants. I don't know. I have no right to talk about this subject at all. So what <laughs> they're doing is selling period pants. So they're like instead of buying big shitty like. 
like your big granny pants to wear on your period. We're giving you something actually specialised in it. Mm-hmm. It's just branding, it seems like. Um, I have, I've got a story here that you can contribute in, I'd imagine you've got a lot of opinions on, um, that Noel Fielding has today been um, paid damages over the hacking of his voicemail. Um, he and Ryan Giggs' brother, Rodri, or Rod, Rodri, I don't know how you pronounce that, Rodri or Rodri, maybe, um, have accepted substantial damages from former newspaper News of the World over phone hacking by the journalists there. They're among a number of celebrities and members of the public who have won compensation after News of the World was obviously closed down in 2011 and it was revealed that the reporters there had been hacking people's phones. Um, at the court hearing in London yesterday, Nofield and solicitor Alex Cochran said the comedian claimed a number of articles published between 2006 and 2010 had contained his private information and were quote-unquote suspicious. During this time, Mr Fielding used his voicemail extensively and he would regularly receive and leave voicemail messages for his family and close friends. It was alleged that the publication of articles generated distrust which impacted his relationships and caused him considerable distress. Um, he, was, he then spoke on Ryan Giggs' brother. The claimant is pleased to confirm he accepted the defendant's offer to resolve his claims in terms of confidentiality between the parties, but which involved the defendant agreeing to pay substantial damages to the claimant as well as other reasonable costs. Other victims of uh, who settled at this hearing included David Be- David and Victoria Beckham's former personal assistant Rebecca Lewis and relatives of the actor Sadie Frost, her mother Mary Davidson and sister Jane Davidson. Um, yeah, the 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 lawyer for what was formerly News of the World said the defendant is here today through me to offer its sincere apologies to the claimant for the distress caused by them by invasion of their privacy, etc. Um, Sir Elton John and actor Elizabeth Hurley are among those who have already settled their cases. The legal costs for this have run into hundreds of millions of pounds and the publisher has never admitted liability in relation to alleged phone hacking at the Sun. Um, they've just settled out of court. See, the first thing I was thinking there was everyone getting a settlement. So phone hacking is the celebrity's PPI call then. They got mm-hmm. a, a thing through yeah. saying, oh, well, we think that you've been hacked. You can, if you fight it, you'll get this much. Mm-hmm. It's mental. Like the the one that I always think of is the wee girl that got killed, and they thought she was alive because she was still checking her phone. It turned out to be Millie Dowler. Millie, was it not? Uh, we watched a documentary, and it was like some shady guy that was just is was doing the whole thing, and I'm sure they threw him right under the bus for the whole mm. the whole thing. It's very sad. It's not ethical at all, and I'd be. Reluctant to call them journalists, it's reasonable that way the trade's got such a bad name, but not all of us are like that. Some of us are, are good. Um, no. Listen, so we've went through a lot and we actually still have some stuff left to go on, but what we're going to have to do is wrap up for now. We're going to put the rest of the stuff and we've got a post of supporting links and things if you want further reading on mouseoftheclay.com or you can come and interact with us on Instagram. Um, we're going to have to wrap up for now but we want to thank our sponsors at the Inverclyde Boiler Company um, and all you guys for listening and contributing on here as well um, and if you wouldn't mind subscribing to us on um, like Apple or Google or Spotify somewhere and rating us five stars I know it's just a wee silly podcast but it helps us a lot to, to have yeah, it and to have really the, the rating and everything and we really appreciate it and we're going to have a lot more giveaways and stuff coming on soon we've got like, a big big one planned it's going to be a big booty box full of stuff so if you can subscribe to us on the Instagram at Mouse of the Clyde, you'll be able to see when we've got them giveaways and um, you can interact with us and tell us all your opinions on news stories and, and get involved. But thank yeah. you so much for listening and we really appreciate you guys and we'll be back on Sunday with Sunday Brunch. We'll see you on Sunday.
Thank and you. Enjoy yourself. Bye. Bye.